welcome back to a book a day podcast and as you know these days i'm discussing some of the most important and significant characters from modern indian history and for that i picked a series from niyogi books called pioneers of modern india last time in the previous podcast i discussed the monograph on rk narayan the great indian writer and uh, the next monograph that i've got with me is is quite an interesting one and i do want to start with uh, a really basic point we all know how vast and diverse india is right but uh, sometimes we tend to forget how vast and diverse different parts of india they themselves are for example a lot of times when we talk about northeast india we think it's one entity but if we pay close attention to it obviously there are different states and uh, when you go to these states for example let's say you go to nagaland and your first instinct or assumption might be that it is the land of naga tribe and that's probably just one entity but that's not really the case there is huge complexity huge diversity within that one state and even if you talk about one particular tribe or one group of tribe the naga tribes and within that group you find a lot of diversity so the point is it's really complex and uh, getting to know india getting to the intricacies of india it takes a hell lot of a time but we can try and we can certainly try with the help of some wonderful books and this one that i've got with me today it's a monograph on rani gaidinliu legendary freedom fighter from the northeast it's written by som kamai so this is about a character called rani gadinlu and a lot of us might not be familiar with the name but i'm sure by the end of this podcast you will learn a thing or two about her so the story really begins in the early part of 20th century and uh, we go to the northeastern part the manipur the nagaland region and there we have a person called jadunag he was a mystic rebel and uh, he organized the religious and social reforms and also fought against the british it's interesting to know that although he was from that different uh, dis- distant part of india from uh, what we now call as zeliangrong nagas of uh, assam manipur and nagaland from that region but uh, the concept that he devised was called makam guangdi which was really if you pay attention to it was inspired by the name mahatma gandhi and uh, he was really inspired by mahatma gandhi and the congress movement for the independence independence from the british colonial rule and later this person was executed by the british uh, based on some fabricated or false charges so a couple of things we first learn from his story one is that 
the independence movement um, under the British colonial rule wasn't really restricted to these mainstream cities of India or mainstream states of India. It was there in different corners and parts of it. And the second thing is uh, when we talk about mystic rebel, is that when we when we try to capture all these stories from different corners of India, from different tribes of India, we find a lot of mysticism, the supernatural stories, the magical parts, all those things in there. So whether you believe in all those things or not, that's up to you. But uh, you have to say that they make very good stories. And uh, that's also the case with our protagonist today, who is called Rani Gaidin Liu, who was uh, inspired by the earlier mystical bell, as I just mentioned, Jadunang. And uh, to understand her story, you have to understand the settings first. As I said, it was the earlier 20th century, British were trying to control different regions of India. You probably know about the North Northwest frontier, which is uh, towards Pakistan, Afghanistan, that border region. And then they had the northeastern frontier areas where uh, the northeastern part of India and different kinds of tribes, they lived there. They were trying to control those regions as well. And it happened over a period of time. It happened through various means, British troops, uh, through Assam rifles, who were very much proficient back then. They used their muscle. Then they also used the Christian missionaries to spread uh, Christianity among these tribes there. And uh, in their own imagination, they tried to civilize these people, civilize these people. But these people themselves, they were civilized, they had their own religions, traditions, and cultures. And uh, when the British interfered with their businesses, um, when the British imposed a kind of a slavery there, and uh, took unfair advantages of the places and people, that was when the rebel, rebel voices, they began to emerge. And it's that in that setting, we find the character of Rani Gaidin Liu emerging. She was very young. She was still a child when we find this fighting spirit in her emerging. And as I said, this is also a mystical story. It's a lot of mystical things, magical things are taking place at that time in her life. And... Uh, I will talk about this belief system, the religion, the culture towards the end, as the author does towards the end of the book. But let's just focus on Rani Gaidin Liu's life. And uh, it almost feels like a fantasy movie where strange things, supernatural things are happening. Uh, she is witnessing people disappearing. Um, there are strange characters, almost mythical personas you'd find there. And uh, there is this conversation going on with deities. And then there is this famous story of divine python, where she found one python through her dreams and, uh, and later she kept it under her bed. It was a kind of a divine companion. 
and uh, all this was going on in her teenage years so quite an interesting time to grow up in and uh, something that probably you dear listener you and i would find hard to relate to but it makes for such a good story so that happened and uh, she became a kind of a spiritual leader for her tribe but then begins the rebellion phase because so far all this was going on in the spiritual or religious sphere british didn't have as such a big problem with that but when she started telling her followers that we are for a free people and the white people should not rule over us we are this um independent tribes and uh, we should rule ourselves then it became a big problem for the british and uh, there began a political struggle which was also sometimes armed conflict that would continue for the rest of her life even when india got independence and there were different conflicts emerging re- regarding the independence of these tribes their rights and the kind of ind- independence they were seeking from the indian state then how she dealt those matters with the subsequent prime ministers of india from nehru to indira gandhi all of this makes for a brilliant story brilliant journey and uh, for that reason i think you should definitely pick this book especially if you're interested in learning the history of that part of india now coming to the last part where the author talks about the ancient zeliang grong religion and uh, how rani gaidin liu interpreted it so first of all author quotes his uh, father who's also uh, an author and professor gangmumai kamai um who's worked and written extensively on this subject so we learn about this zeliang grong re- religion it's a belief system followed by certain tribes of uh, naga people and as such the religion or the belief system did not really have a name earlier the western scholars they called them the followers of animism which wasn't really the case they were not really worshiping spirits or ghosts or demons um this was more of a as the author says a a uh, more of a primordial religion that means a religion with a primordial existence so just so you know um let me mention a few tenets from the book which talk about what this religion is about the first tenet is the belief in the supreme god thinkao ragwang or thingwang who is the creator of the universe all other gods and men who is benevolent and uh, protector of men and uh, like any other god or the supreme god that people believe in he is omniscient omnipresent and omnipotent then the second tenet is belief in the existence of many gods and deities who are assigned by the supreme god to look after different aspects of world nature humans etc the third tenet is belief in the concept of heaven the abode of god and the life after death represented by the land of the death where men's souls they go after death then the fourth tenet is 
belief in the worship of the deities presiding over villages and places to act as the guardian deities of men in these villages number 5 belief in the concept of ancestor worship and in the concept of the rebirth of the human soul number 6 which worship of gods and uh, propitiation of lower deities number 7 belief in the concept of sin um that is something that is violation of religious moral or social customs or norms number 8 says that belief in the present performance of rites of passage relating to birth membership of social institutions such as marriage or death number 9 says belief in the redemption and salvation of the soul in heaven for good doers and retribution by the divine for bad doers and number 10 says believe in the performance of festivals ceremonies and rituals and other forms of religious and cultural expression of the worship of divine so this these are the basic tenets and uh, they have uh, their own stories of origin of creation of universe gods and men and that is something i found really interesting so the author tells us the zelian grong community is ancient community it has its own uh, cosmological myth philosophy and uh, theological foundations so the creation myth is quite simple and something that you might have heard in various other religions as well the supreme god created the universe gods men and nature and first he created two deities god and goddess didimpu and didimpui and uh, as willed by the god they created the sun the moon the stars the water the wind fire the earth and seven layers of the sky and uh, then the god created two more deities male and female once again and they created they were supposed to create human beings and uh, the couple in their attempt to create human beings created a fish a frog and a monkey the supreme god was not satisfied with these creations and hence the fish was set free in the water the frog was freed on land and the monkey was set free into the forests then these two deities they were supposed to do the task they prayed to the god for the advice and uh, then the god revealed to them his image to be adopted as a model or prototype of man and that's how these deities created a man and a woman out of the clay of an anthill but they were of course lifeless at that point and then the supreme god appeared and breathed soul or life force into the bodies so when you hear these uh, origin stories or mythologies you find uh, certain interesting similarities with the mainstream hinduism and uh, certain differences uh, i was fascinated by noticing once again that uh, fish comes first and then comes frog then comes the monkey which is quite similar to the avatars of different avatars of vishnu in hinduism but more importantly that's also similar to how life evolved on earth how fish or life in the oceans that came first and from that these 
aquatic life forms they moved slowly to the land and then came the ancestors of apes or monkeys or human beings and then ultimately the human beings so that's really fascinating that always fascinates me how how they got it in that order but uh it's not just that the entire religion its culture its history and its close association with nature and how they perform their festivals as well as uh, important rites all of that is quite fascinating and i'm sure you're going to love it when you read so i hope you'll have a good time reading that and uh, with that i'll take your leave keep reading keep enjoying and let me know how you found rani gaidinlu's story and what other things you would want to know about her or the series that i'm doing thank you thank you for listening